as you hear uh, these selections upcoming, they're all from the Gospel of John. Uh, John's Gospel does an amazing job uh, of teaching us how God's love is revealed to us as his people. And so I just want you to really listen for two things in beginning here. So as you hear the word of God read, there's going to be many times the word love comes up, but primarily listen for two things. Number one, how does God the Father show his love to God the Son? And number two, just the reverse, how does God the Son show his love for God the Father? Everything else will flow from that, all right? So how does God love the Son? How does the Son love the Father? So we're going to begin with Krista reading from John 15. Then Nicholas is going to read from John chapter 5. Then Rob will read to us from John 13. And then Nate will read to us from John 17. So let's listen to the word of God read now. John 15 verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. John five sixteen to 23 And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered him, My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing, for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he is himself all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not father the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is John 17, verses 20 through 26, a part of a prayer of Jesus. He says, I do not ask for these only, 
but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. What is the highest form of love? What, what's the, the greatest expression, the greatest category of love? Kids, uh, this might be a helpful way to make it more concrete. If love were a mountain, like a mighty, massive mountain, what would be at the peak? What would be at the top? Let's imagine climbing that mountain together. Perhaps at the lower elevations, we would have love of things. Like, it's fair to say, I love ice cream, right? It's fair to say, I love going to the beach. Or I love this work of art. But those are all inanimate objects. They can't love you back. So as we climb a little higher on this mountain of love, uh, let's say you have maybe love for animals, all right? You might love your dog, and your dog can share some measure of affection back to you. You might love your horse. You know, you ride your horse. You care for your horse. And they can feel loved. They can feel cared for and protected by you. And then if you climb higher, we have a special category of love where love between humans is even more profound, right? Humans have language and communication and emotions and thoughts and plans and desires, and we can share those with each other. We can let each other know how we're feeling. And even that kind of love has various different expressions, right? The love that you have for a stranger you just met is different from the love you have for a friend that you've known all your life, right? There's love for your mom and dad, right? That's pretty special. Or your parents, love for you. Love for a spouse. All these forms of love are are higher, right? Imagine as we climb a little bit higher on the mountain, the the highest we can go on our own is, is to view love for the divine, love for the creator. If we see that God has made us and he's made a beautiful world for us. Now we can, we can experience love of being cared for and being provided for and saying, I, I, I love you, thank you. But imagine this mountain has a peak that's just unclimbable. You, you can't get to the top because it's just sheer cliffs. It's just unscalable. What's at the top? What's at the top of this mountain of love? The top of the mountain of love is God's love for God. That might sound a little silly, right? If I say the best love is my love for myself, you know I'm a jerk. (laughs) But God's love for God is the highest form of love because God is the most lovable. God is the most beautiful. God is the most exalted. God is the most glorious. God is the most lovely. God is the most satisfying. 
And so if God must love that which is most lovely, he must love himself first and foremost. And how can God do that? Well, we affirm the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of Trinity says there is one God, but that one God is made known in three persons. And so those three persons are expressing at this moment, since eternity past, into eternity future, love for one another. The Father loves the Son and the Spirit. The Son loves the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son. And Scripture gives us a window into part of that picture. Part of that picture, primarily, we see in Scripture the most natural view of God's love, the Father's love for the Son, and the Son's love for the Father. That's at the pinnacle. That's at the peak of the mountain of love. So let's just get a working definition of love, and then I'll just briefly tell you a very simple structure for this sermon. Here's a way to think of love. Love joyfully gives oneself to exalt others. Love joyfully gives oneself to exalt others. We'll just consider that from these three perspectives. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. That's point number two. And then lastly, we are called to love Jesus. All according to that definition, love joyfully gives oneself to exalt others. Just like a mountain stream starts at the top of the mountain and then flows down from there, so all love starts at the peak of love, God's love for God. So let's start right at the beginning The Father loves the Son. Point number one, God the Father loves God the Son. Now that may seem self-evident, that may seem unnecessary to state. After all, when Jesus' ministry was beginning at his baptism, the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove, and the voice of God was heard proclaiming, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Father delights in the Son. And if God's delight in the Son is obvious to you, I'm glad He wants it to be obvious. But I want to look at God's love for Jesus in a way that will help us understand Jesus' love for the Father better and will help us understand our response to the love of Jesus. So let's look at how God's love for Jesus is shown as God joyfully gives himself to his Son so that Jesus might be exalted. And let's do this by looking at John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 19. Jesus is having a conversation uh, where the, the, the religious leaders are trying to start an argument with him, and he, he really just takes it in a more important direction. So he says this, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I can say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows himself all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now that's a lot, but let's just start with the Father loves the Son, right? The Father joyfully gives himself to exalt the Son. I think we can see that most clearly in verse 20. 
Verse 20 equates God's love with God's giving of himself, God's self-disclosure. Verse 20, the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. The father doesn't hold anything back. The father shows the son everything. Just imagine what it is to know all of what God is doing. You know, what you're doing shows your plans, your purposes, your priorities, your heart, your intentions, your delights. God holds nothing back. Even the secret things that belong to the mind of God from eternity past are fully shown to the Son. God the Father gives himself to the Son, and he clearly gives this knowledge to the Son. He shows what he's doing to the Son so that Jesus can join him in that work. The showing is an invitation. See who I am. See what I love. See what I'm doing. Come and join me. And why does God do this? Why does God give himself to the Son? So that the Son might be exalted, right? For the Father loves the Son. This is verse 20. The Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him. Why? So that you may marvel to exalt the Son. So that you may marvel. We read on in verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Why? That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Behold, the love of God for God. Why does the Son possess the Father's life-giving power? Why does the Son sit on the Father's judgment seat? Because the Father loves the Son. Because the Father has joyfully given himself to the Son so that all may honor the Son with the same honor that is due to the Father. The Father has given his glory, his honor to his Son. So therefore... This is good news for our gatherings. As we marvel at the great works of Jesus in song, as we marvel at the great work of Jesus in prayer, as we marvel at the great work of Jesus in sermons, we are fulfilling the purpose of God to give himself to the Son so that we may marvel. We join the Father in exalting the Son when we marvel at his work. Oh, how the Father loves the Son. And oh, how the Son loves the Father. This is point number two. The Son loves the Father. So the Son receives this invitation from the Father. The Father shows him all that he's doing. And Jesus joyfully accepts. Jesus joyfully gives of himself, gives himself to exalt the Father. We see this portrayed in the very same chapter. Let's continue looking at John Five, but we're going to just back up a little bit to verse 16. So starting in John 5, 16, this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, which namely was healing. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, Truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, 
but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. So Jesus is saying here, you need to understand what I'm doing by understanding who I am and by understanding whose I am. You need to understand who I have submitted to. You need to understand who I respond to. You need to understand who I am united with. Jesus says, I have joyfully and completely given myself to my Father, that he might be exalted. Verse 19, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Verse 20, for the Father loves me and shows me all that he himself is doing. Do you see that? Jesus loves the Father. He gives himself to the Father by doing what the Father does in perfect unity. How does Jesus show that he loves the Father? How does Jesus show that he's joyfully given himself to the Father? Well, he does whatever the Father does. That's called obedience. John 14, 31, Jesus says this even more clearly. Jesus says, I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Jesus wants the world to know something. He wants the world to know, I love my Father. And Jesus does something to demonstrate that. He says, I do as the Father has commanded me. When you see Jesus obeying the Father, fulfilling the commands of God, you see a son loving his Father. This is why Jesus perfectly fulfilled every righteous requirement of the law, because he loved the Father and joyfully gave himself to the Father to exalt the Father. This is the love that is at the peak of the mountain of love. But at the peak of this mountain, there's a surprise. Upon this mountain stands an ugly cross, an instrument of torture and execution. It is on the cross that Jesus demonstrated his love to his Father to the utmost, The cross is where Jesus' life of loving obedience was headed. On the cross, he showed the unthinkable, that the love of God for God would result in the willing death of God the Son by the hand of God the Father in perfect unity, perfect love, perfect agreement. So on the cross, please see the Savior saying, Father, I love you. I joyfully give myself to you that you might be exalted. I'm here because you sent me. I'm here because I'm doing your work. Father, into your hands I commit my spirits. Jesus gives himself to the Father at the cross. What does the Father think about this? John 10, 17, Jesus says, For this reason... The Father loves me. How do you think that sentence is going to end? For this reason, the Father loves me, Jesus says, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And then in the passage we read, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. God the Father loves the Son because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And God the Father proclaims over Christ 
on the cross, look at my son. Look at this great love. There's no one like my son. There will never be, there never was, and there will never be a love greater than the love of Jesus Christ laying down his life for his friends, his people. And yes, there is a people. There is not just love for father and love for son. There is love for a people. The love of the father for the son is so massive. The love of the son for the father is so incredibly extensive that there is a people. God's love overflows with a love for others beyond the borders of the Trinity. Because the Father gives himself to the Son and wants the Son to be exalted, he sends the Son to us. Because the Son loves the Father and wants the Father to be exalted, he comes to us. Because the Son gives himself to God, we have a Savior. In our sin, in our fall, God masterfully engineered a problem that only finds one solution, the love of God for God. Only the love of God for God can solve the problem of our sin. So in the life, in the death, in the resurrection, in the glorification of Jesus Christ, we see the only love that can take the wicked and transform them into holy ones. We see the only love that can take the spiritually dead and breathe life into corpses. We see the only love that can take idolaters and transform them into worshipers of the one true God. We see the only love that can take adulterers and turn them into a spotless bride pure, devoted to Christ. There is no sin, there's no shame, there's no evil, there's no darkness, there's no occult energy that is more powerful than the love of God for God. And out of the overflow of that love, God's love reaches for his people. You can't earn that kind of love. You can't earn this. You can only be invited into it as a gift by faith. You cannot reach up and grab a hold of that love unless that love reaches down and grabs a hold of you. God the Father does just that. He joyfully gives himself to us in Christ. God the Son does that. He joyfully gives himself to us. God the Spirit does that. He joyfully gives himself to us in love. So let me ask you, have you received the love of God for you in Christ? Have you received the love of God that overflows for you in Christ? Point number three is we are called to love the Lord. We are called to love the Lord. The love of God demands a response. This is, this is too massive. We dare not ignore it. You cannot put this in the background and pretend it doesn't exist. You're, you're either going to respond to it or respond away from it. 
The love of God is so massive that it requires the response of a lifetime for a lifetime. So let's look more at what Jesus expects and requires of his disciples, that we would respond to the love of God by giving ourselves to God to exalt him. Let's look further at John chapter 15. Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. Why? For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Just hear that afresh. Jesus says to his disciples, All that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. That should sound familiar. We saw how God the Father shows Jesus all that he is doing, right? And now Jesus makes known to us all that he has heard from his Father. This is another invitation. Jesus joined the Father in doing his work. And now Jesus invites us to join him in Jesus' work. Jesus unified his will, his desires, his actions with his knowledge of the Father. And he invites us to do the same. He invites us to joyfully give ourselves to exalt God. That's called love. That's also called obedience. Obedience is how Jesus demonstrates his love to the Father. And obedience is how we demonstrate our love to God. Also, just hear these familiar words, John 15, 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, says Jesus. Abide in my love. That's really simple, but it's really profound. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love or some translations, remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It sounds like it might just be about following rules there until we get to verse 11. Let's not disconnect verse 10 from verse 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. We demonstrate our love to God by joyfully keeping his commandments, just like Jesus did. We, too, are called to joyfully give ourselves to God. It's not just actions. If you read 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see that acts of great sacrifice without love are worthless. That's not what Jesus is talking about. No, this is obedience with faith. This is obedience with zeal. This is obedience with joy. This is obedience with love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, verse 11, and that your joy may be full. Loving obedience means joyfully giving yourself to God, and the result of this is God's exaltation. Jesus wants to prove something through you. Let's look at verse 9, I believe it is. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now, I want to back up to verse 8 here. I'm sorry. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus wants to prove something in us, right? Obedience results in fruit. Fruit 
proves that we are disciples. Fruit glorifies the Father. So think about it this way. Jesus has given himself to the Father to exalt the Father. He wants our lives to prove that. He wants our lives to be a part of that. So when Jesus produces fruit in a Christian's life, if you're a Christian and God brings fruit in your life that pleases the Father, that is simultaneously both your love to God and the love of Jesus for his heavenly Father. Jesus is at work in his people producing fruit that proves that they are his disciples and glorifies the Father, the result of his love for his Father. That's pretty abstract, isn't it? What does it actually look like practically for you to love God by offering yourself to him to exalt him? So, I mean, tomorrow morning your alarm's going to go off, your feet are going to hit the ground out of bed, right? What does that look like if you are loving God by offering yourself to him? Jesus gives us a powerful test to, to see if our love for the Father is genuine. Let's read with that kind of thought, starting in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Okay, Jesus, you want us to abide in your love, and if we keep your commandments, we'll abide in your love. What is your commandments? Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Tomorrow morning, when your feet hit the ground out of bed, you will know that you are giving yourself to God when you are for his sake and according to his will, empowered by the Spirit, loving one another, giving yourself to others joyfully. So if we love God rightly, our love for him will overflow to others, just as Jesus' love for his Father overflows with love to us. Kids and teens, here's here's a really simple way to say it. Loved people love people, right? Loved people love people. 1 John 4, 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. (laughs) This is the same writer, John the Apostle. Not holding back. Here it is, plain as day. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the test of our love. How do you know if you love someone you haven't seen in God the Father? Well, you love those you do see, your brothers and sisters around you. Verse 21, this is his, I'm sorry, this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother and sister. So ask yourself, ask each other, does your love for Jesus overflow with love for others? Have you joyfully given yourself to God in a way that transforms your relationships? Would your fellow church members describe you as someone who has joyfully given yourself to Jesus as demonstrated by joyfully giving yourself to others? And I do want to make a distinction here. There there is a difference between giving of yourself and giving yourself 
to others. I know that's nuanced, but just follow me here. There's a difference between giving of yourself and giving yourself to others. It's much easier to give pieces of yourself than yourself. Pieces of your time, pieces of your energy, pieces of your resources. It's quite another thing altogether to give yourself. Are you giving pieces of yourself to God? Or are you giving your entire self to God? Are you giving pieces of yourself to others? Or are you giving your entire self to others? This is not a new word per se. It is a new commandment, Jesus says it. But it is also an old commandment. God calls us to hold nothing back, to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The whole law and the prophets is summed up in these commands. You can't do that by yourself. That's misery, trying to do that without the Holy Spirit's power. You need supernatural power to love others in the way that God calls you to love. If you haven't experienced that kind of power in your love for others, please talk to a member here. Talk to one of the pastors here. We would love to ask God to give you soul-transforming experiences of the love of God that would overflow from you to others. We would love nothing more than for God to answer those kinds of prayers in your life. And if you do that, if you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are transformed by the work and person of Jesus Christ, you will be enfolded into the intra-Trinitarian love of God for God. Jesus is reaching down from the mountaintop and he offers to lift you up to the pinnacle of this mountain of God's love. You cannot climb up there yourself. You dare not try, but through Christ, you can be lifted up into the perfect and powerful love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just want to close by reading what Jesus prays for his people in John chapter 17. This is the Son praying to the Father that he loves on behalf of the people that he loves. John 17, starting in verse 20. I do not ask for these only. He's talking about his disciples in that phrase. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That is you. If by faith you believe in Christ by his word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, 
I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray now together in response to the word of God first, and then we'll turn our attention outward in a minute or two. I'll start, and then I invite you to pray prayers of response, prayers of confession. Thank you, Jesus, for praying like this for us, for your people. I do pray, God, that you would include us in your love, that not one here would be left out of your love for your Son, Jesus, of your love for your Heavenly Father. I do pray that you would unite us to your love. Thank you for paying the penalty that our sins deserved and offering us freely to enjoy your love by obeying you. Jesus, please help us now to pray in response to your word, prayers of confession, prayers of response. In Jesus' name, hear us now.